I want to begin this morning by asking what uh, scheme did Satan use to cause Adam and Eve to fall? And I think we all know it was temptation. He dangled a sinful pleasure in front of them that lured them into sin. But why did that temptation work so well? Well, it was deception. The Bible says two times that Eve was deceived. Now, Adam, he disobeyed willfully, but Eve was deceived. And if we asked, why was that deception so effective? Well, I think the answer again is doubt. Uh, Satan said to Adam and Eve, has God really said? And that doubt enabled the deception to work, the temptation to work, and the disobedience to take place. Now, I want you to think about this with me this morning. The very first sin, Satan had four schemes. Think about that. Doubt, deception, temptation, and disobedience all in one sin. Satan has a lot of arrows in his quiver, doesn't he? He's got a lot of arrows in his quiver. He has many flaming darts that he can hurl at us. Uh, somebody has said this, the devil is easy to identify. He appears when you're terribly tired and makes a very reasonable request which you know you shouldn't grant. But here's my problem with that statement. When you are terribly tired and it's a reasonable request, very hard to detect the devil, isn't it? Very hard. And that's why it is so necessary for us to have on the full armor of God. Satan has so many ways that he comes at us that we must have all the weapons of our warfare. This morning we are going to look together at one of those weapons. It is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And I want you to take your Bibles again and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And this morning we want to look at verse 16. Ephesians chapter 6 in your New Testament. And I want you to notice with me verse 16. In all circumstances, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now again this morning, we want to do three things. We want to see the importance of the shield for a Roman soldier. Then we want to see the meaning of the shield for Christians. And then, as always, our goal is to apply what we learn to our walk as believers in this world. So let's start with the importance of the Roman soldier's shield. In Latin, it was called the scutum, the scutum, and it had two major purposes. Number one, it was large, giving full body protection. It was large, giving the full body of a soldier protection. Now, when he talks here about the shield, it comes from a Greek word that actually means door, and it was a very apt description. Because this shield was a great big thick plank of wood covered with layers of leather. 
It was about four feet high and two and a half feet wide. You could stick it in the ground, crouch behind it, and it would protect you like a door. Now on the screen this morning, this formation that you are seeing was, no, was called the tortoise formation. The tortoise formation. Because it created a protective shell. Uh, the soldiers crouching in front behind their shields formed a wall. And then those standing behind them putting their shields on top formed a roof. So this became like a protective shell. It was invulnerable to arrows, to rocks, and to spears. So effective was this formation that it was widely copied by other armies. It is still used today by riot police. That's how effective this was. Second thing about the sword or the shield was it, it was effective against flaming arrows. It was effective against flaming arrows. You see, ancient archers would dip their arrows in pitch and set them on fire. When the arrow would stick into a shield, the burning tar would just spread over the whole shield, causing it to light up in a blaze. And a blazing shield would cause a soldier to discard it, being vulnerable and panicky. And so here's what the soldiers did. They soaked their shields in water. And soaked leather will not burn. So the fire would go out before it could spread to the entire shield. Now, this particular weapon was very critical. Very critical. You see, the breastplate only covered the, the thorax. It only covered the upper body. But the shield was extremely versatile. It could be maneuvered in any way to fend off missiles wherever they were coming from and whatever portion of the body that they were directed towards. So this was a huge piece of defensive armor for a soldier. Well, now as we think about that and we say, okay, what does this mean spiritually for us? How does this apply to us as Christians? We move to the meaning of the shield of faith. And clearly, the Apostle Paul says here, the shield is faith. The shield is faith. But what kind of faith or what is faith? You know, that's probably one of the most important questions any Christian could ever ask. What is faith? And I want us to see this morning that there are two sides to this shield of faith. First of all, we have what we call believing faith. Believing faith. That is knowledge of our resources in Christ. Believing faith is you and I having full knowledge of the resources we have in Christ. Now in the Bible, the Bible tells us that there are three elements of faith, and we like to use the little acrostic, K-A-T, which spells cat, to help us remember these three elements. The first two are knowledge and assent, or agreement. Those are the first two parts of faith, and we could call that believing faith. I want you to turn back here in Ephesians to chapter 4 for just a moment, and I want you to notice how this is used in verse 5. Look at Ephesians 4, and notice verse 5, and notice what he says, one Lord, one faith. 
one baptism. Drop down to verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now there, the faith, the one faith, is identified as the knowledge of the Son of God. So that what we could say here is this, faith involves knowing Christian truth and agreeing with it, assenting to it that it is true. And the more that we know the faith as it's revealed to us in the Word of God, the more we'll be able to use the shield of faith when we need it in our Christian walk. Uh, Professor Howard Hendricks had a tremendous influence on those of us who were his students when we were in seminary. I'll never forget one day he said to us, he came home, as had a young family, small children, and as he walked through the door, he said, there was his wife, Mrs. Hendricks, sitting on the couch, and sprawled across her lap was a sick child who was asleep. On top of that child, spread out over her, was a Bible, and Mrs. Hendricks was reading the Bible. And he said, in that one act, she probably showed more devotion to the Word of God than he did all day in what he was doing at the seminary. And I never forgot that. That's why she became Mrs. Hendricks. And that's why she helped him to become Prof. Hendricks. She was a woman of the word, and he was a man of the word. And we will never be able to wield the shield unless that's true of us. If you want to effectively use the shield of faith, you simply must be a woman of the word or a man of the word. You see, believing faith is our knowledge of the resources we have in Christ. Well, now there's a second side to this shield of faith, and that is this, active faith. And active faith is active trust in Christ for his resources. Active faith is active trust in Christ for his resources. That's the third element of our acrostic cat. Knowledge, assent, and the T is trust. Now I want you to turn back with me for just a moment to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And I want you to notice with me verse 17. Because this is so very important for us to see what the Lord is saying to us. Look at verse 17. Ephesians 3, 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now you know what is so interesting about this verse? Christ was already dwelling in the Ephesian believers, right? They were saved people. That would be like me today saying to those of us who are saved, I want Christ to dwell in you. And you would say to me, well, he already does dwell in me. 
So what in the world is going on here when Paul says to the Ephesians, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith? Well, this word dwell is very important. It means to make a home in. It means to settle down into. It's talking about a deeper dwelling. Let me ask you this question. When you moved into your house, how many uh, rooms did you take possession of? You took possession of all, didn't you? I mean, that's, that's what an owner does. When you own the house, you move into all of the rooms. That's what Christ wants to do. He wants to take full possession of our lives so that he controls every room in the spiritual house. This is describing here spiritual growth where Christ increasingly becomes Lord of our lives because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. One Bible student has described it this way. It is to experience more and more of Christ's indwelling presence and his increased power in us. That's what it means for Christ here to take possession of every room, to experience more and more of Christ's indwelling presence and his increased power in us. And notice, this spiritual growth, says the verse, happens through faith. It is the third element of cat, ongoing trust of faith, the ongoing life of trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anybody who understood what faith was and faith is, it was Corey Ten Boom. As she lived out those years in the Nazi concentration camps during World War II, and here's what Corey Tenboom had to say. She said, faith is an activity. It is something that has to be applied. That is so insightful. Faith is an activity. It is something that has to be applied. She is absolutely correct. Now, we apply faith in two ways. Number one, we depend on Christ for his power. Number two, we surrender to Christ to obey, to him, to obey him. Faith applied is in two ways. We depend on Christ for his power, and we surrender to Christ to obey. If you take an airplane ride, you depend on the pilot, don't you? You depend that he can take off, you depend that he can fly, and you depend that he can land that plane. And if along the way he says, trust me, you know exactly what he means. Depend on me. Depend on me that I can do what I've said I can do. You know, trust is also surrender. If you have a tour guide that leads you into a dark cave and he says, trust me, you know exactly what he means. He means surrender to me. He means follow me. 
Let me lead the way. He means obey my directions as I lead you through this dark cave. Now let's put all that together. Here's what the shield of faith is. It is growing knowledge of Christ, depending on Christ, and obeying Christ. That's what the shield of faith is. It is growing knowledge of Christ, depending on Christ, and obeying Christ. That's the shield of faith. Probably the simplest definition of faith I've ever heard is this. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon that word. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon that word. And when we are doing that, we are taking up the shield of faith. Now, this has profound implications for our walk in this world as believers. And so this morning, I want to move to the third part of this message, and that is the application of the shield for Christians. What does this mean practically for you and for me? And I want to give three applications this morning for our walk as believers. All right, here's the first one. Satan's fiery temptations are constant, not occasional. Satan's fiery temptations are constant, not occasional. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 16, all the flaming darts of the evil one, all of them, They are constant and they are continuous. Do you know one Roman soldier after battle had 200 arrows stuck in his shield? That is a lot of missiles. And Satan has multitudes of missiles that he is constantly firing our way. Thomas Akempis, who wrote the classic, The Imitation of Christ, said this, The devil never sleeps, and your flesh is very much alive. Prepare yourself for battle. Surrounding you are enemies that never rest. And he was right. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how spiritual we may be, Satan never stops shooting. It is constant, not occasional. Here's a second application for our walk this morning. Active faith in Christ matures us against temptation. Active faith in Christ matures us against temptation. Look back at chapter 3 and verse 19 for just a moment, and I want you to notice this statement. Chapter 3, and notice verse 19, and notice what Paul says here. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. And then, if you would, drop down with me again to chapter 4, verse 13, and notice again, and now the end of the verse, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, now notice this, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you see that? The fullness of God, chapter 3, now the fullness of Christ, chapter 4. You know what those images are? Those are images of maturity. We know that because the middle phrase in verse 13 here of chapter 4 is to mature manhood. Uh, The literal rendering there of the original text is to a full-grown man. So the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ is imagery for becoming mature spiritually. Now, would you agree with me? Much of Satan's temptations against us succeeds because of immaturity, doesn't it? Isn't that right? Much of Satan's temptations against us succeeds because of immaturity. Immature choices, immature decisions, immature reactions, immature values, immature living. That's why Satan is so effective against us. We've all messed up in our lives, and as we've looked back on the way in which we've messed up, and I'm going to ask you to finish the sentence with me, We've said to ourselves, I can't believe I was so. I was going to be a little easier on you. (laughs) Can't believe I was so foolish. (laughs) So ignorant. What are we saying? I can't believe I was so immature. That's why I did what I did. I was immature. But I want you to notice what happens when we mature in Christ. Look at verse 14. Notice what happens. So that in verse 14 of chapter 4, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cutting, cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Maturity makes all the difference. Maturity makes all the difference. An active faith in Christ matures us. And that maturity is a defense against temptation. Here's the third application. Active faith in Christ empowers us against temptation. Active faith in Christ empowers us against temptation. 
Now again, in verse 16 of chapter 6, he says, you can distinguish, extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You can do this, he says. It's interesting that the word there for can means you will be able. You will be able, you will be capable, you will have the ability, you will have the power, he says, to resist this temptation. You can extinguish it. Now look back at chapter 3 and verse 20 for just a moment, and I want you to notice a very interesting connection where the same word is used, you will be able, but notice now who it applies to. Now to him who is able, who can, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Who is the one who is able in this text? Yes. God is the one who is able. And he is the God who the text says is at work within us because when we have active faith, verse 19, he is filling us with himself. Listen to what my old professor, Grant Osborne, says about this. Listen to his words. This is the meaning of spiritual growth. It is a process by which the fullness of the Godhead burrows deeper and deeper into our lives as we yield ourselves ever more fully to his presence and power. Oh, how I love that. This is the meaning of spiritual growth. It is a process by which the fullness of the Godhead burrows deeper and deeper into our lives as we yield ourselves ever more fully to His presence and His power. And Christians who are doing this are living by faith. And when you are living by faith, God himself is the one who makes you strong. You see, active faith in Christ empowers us against temptation. When Pastor Chuck Swindoll was a boy growing up in Houston, his mother challenged him to memorize scripture. And so he did. He memorized some very large sections of scripture. He memorized the entire book of James. He memorized the whole book of Galatians. And eventually, as we all know, he became a famous preacher. Uh, one week he was in Canada where he was preaching at some meetings. He was alone. He was tired. And one night after the service, after preaching, he went back to his hotel all by himself. 
And when he got on the elevator, an attractive woman got on the elevator with him. And when he said to her, what floor would you like to go to? She said, your floor. The doors closed. The elevator began to go up. She looked at him and she said, how about it? He was alone, tired, far away in Canada. He said as he stood there looking at her, it was as though an invisible hand pulled down an invisible screen that neither one could see. But on that screen he read these words, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. The very verse he had memorized years earlier as a child. He said to the woman, I have a wife and children. I'm not interested. He stepped off the elevator. The doors closed. She went back down to the lobby. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon that word. And the more that you do that, the stronger you will become. The Apostle John said this in 1 John 2.14, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. That's how you take the shield of faith. Let's thank the Lord together, shall we? For that wonderful shield. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I hope everyone in the sound of my voice has come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. That you know without a shadow of a doubt, Christ lives within me. He's changed my life, and I know I'm saved. I belong to him. If you have any questions about that, if you're uncertain, you lack assurance, we're here to help you. But I also hope that those of us today who know Christ dwells within us, would long for the deeper dwelling 
that he would have access by his lordship to all the rooms in our spiritual house. So that more and more we would experience a deeper indwelling of his presence and his power. And that can only come about by active faith. A growing knowledge of Christ, a growing dependence upon Christ, and a growing obedience to Christ. That's active faith. And the shield of faith will only work when we're experiencing that kind of walk with the Lord. And so whatever it is in those three areas that you need to do, because Corey Ten Boom was right, faith is an activity that must be applied. You will say today, Lord, I will apply what you've asked me to do. Blessed Lord, mature us all. Strengthen us all. For the evil one's attacks are constant and we need the shield of faith. For Jesus' sake, amen.